John Gormley, good to have you here. And thank you for joining us wherever we find you on this day. Uh, some announcements coming in this hour from the provincial government on mandatory classroom education on the Holocaust, which uh, a number of us uh, at first blush would think, what has happened to our knowledge of 20th century history what has happened to a lot of things? Well, I think even in this great province, events of the past few days have reinforced perhaps the need. We're going to talk about that change in mandatory education coming up, uh, and we've got a lot more to chat about here in this hour of the show. Uh, first, though, I wanted to introduce you to Kim Shore. Former gymnast, mum of a former gymnast, former Gymnastics Canada board member, and the co-founder of Gymnasts for Change Canada, uh, wrote a piece in the Globe and Mail last week called The Crisis of Abuse in Canadian Sport Affects Us All, and she zeroes in on the sport she knows best, gymnastics, but also talks about the culture where uh, stories of abuse, uh, thinking that gymnastics was the bad apple, where we now find with many sports, the entire barrel appears to have been rotten. Kim Shore, we find this morning in Calgary. Uh, Kim, welcome aboard, and thanks so much for taking our call. Hi, John. Thanks so much for having me. What prompted this reflection on uh, sports at the amateur junior level, sports at the high-performance level, and how the stories now of abuse wind through it? Yeah, that's a great question. A year ago, I wrote a piece for the Globe and Mail that focused entirely on abuse in gymnastics and the plea for help we made to the federal government and Sport Canada. And when no one came running to the aid of the sport, we started to look elsewhere for support. And on that journey, we uncovered just abuse uh, in every sport, uh, hundreds of athletes reaching out to us, parents reaching out to us, and that's when we realized, okay, even though that all we've ever experienced is gymnastics, uh, that's a lifelong commitment to that sport, it's everywhere. It's the system. It's not the individual sports, and the system is what needs to be fixed. So, so your experience in gymnastics, I mean, you this is really a lifetime thing for you because as a kid, you were involved actively. You've passed through. I mean, was the abuse always there or did we perceive it differently at one time? What's the life experience telling you? Yeah, so 17 years in gymnastics as a child into young adulthood taught me that in that moment, that I was the only one. I was bad. I was not a good enough gymnast. I didn't rise up to the expectations of my coaches. And that's why I got yelled at. That's why I was called names and, you know, pushed to do things until I was had a broken leg. Or in one case, I had two grand mal seizures after a training accident that received no medical attention. And, and honestly, I went for 25 years thinking I was 
it was me. And then I had a gathering of my old teammates in at my house, and everyone said, no, no, it was me. And no, it was me. And so we all thought it was just us. We had been so siloed in our shame and, and our failure, if you will, that we hadn't even really talked it through with each other in 25 years. And... Um, so I think that's what's changed. You know, Me Too movement helped us all start to talk about sexual abuse, and that led to all forms of abuse being talked about. And and then the more athletes are sharing and paving the way for the next athlete to come forward with a disclosure, the more we're realizing it's just endemic in our Canadian sports system. The calls for inquiries, which uh, Hockey Canada had its own mini-inquiry, obviously, into governance and other things, but is there a sense of the need for a national inquiry into amateur sport? Well, two parliamentary committees have conducted safe sports studies, and both have had overwhelming uh, support for a national inquiry. But the only person that we're aware of that can trigger a national inquiry is the Prime Minister. And therein lies the problem, right? We have a lot of national crises going on right now, and uh, the appetite for a national inquiry that we know will expose um, extreme negligence, uh, failure to to uphold one's duty of care, uh, funding corruption all throughout the, from grassroots all the way up to the Olympic level, we will find a lot of very uncomfortable information. And there's not a lot of appetite for that at the higher leadership levels. And a lot of the people who who will be the, you know, highlighted in an inquiry such as this are also the ones who have been in those seats for 20 years and have had a very strong hand in creating the system we are all now living. And so when people in power are the ones that are going to be disrupted, it's, it takes a lot to make that happen. Kim Shore, co-founder of Gymnasts for Change Canada, uh, writing in The Globe last week, the crisis of abuse in Canadian sport affects us all. In defense of the policymakers and the federal government, uh, the Office of Sport Integrity, there's a commissioner for that. There's been a great deal of discussion on this. I mean, is the needle moving at all? No, that is not a preventative method or a mechanism. It's a complaint mechanism, which means the abuse has already happened. And so far, after a year and a half of it being in operation, we also haven't seen any sanctions come down. And I can tell you that the the sport hearings or the independent processes that some of the national sport organizations have tried to implement while we wait for the Office of the Sport Integrity Commissioner to get up and running, uh, those processes are, are lasting four years. And we just had a national-level coach come uh, be found banned for life in canoe-kayak this past week. It took those complainants four years of re-traumatization to get to the point where he was banned and then the national sport organization put this tiny little announcement out that said this coach was banned but didn't say for what and the and the allegations are of egregious sexual assault in multiple serial format and and that that man is not going to be on a list anywhere at this point so that People in other sports or piano students that he might be teaching will know that they need to protect themselves in this situation. 
So that's the kind of, you know, you go through all that uh, time and heartache trying to get through a, a process only to have this individual, yeah, maybe banned from your particular sport, maybe your child isn't at risk, but you know that every other Canadian child is at risk who comes into contact with this person. Kim Shore in Calgary. Okay, those of us, and you point out the vast majority, you know, 99% of young Canadians play at the local grassroots level. There has been so many conversations now on coach accreditation, uh, standards of rules, even for spectators. I mean, in the world of a lot of us as mom and dads, uh, you know, I think we've seen considerable improvement at that local grassroots level. You're saying not so? I'm just I think what I'm saying is that those are all decent fixes in the moment, but we don't have an overall strategy on how we're going to keep our children safe. And yes, the coach at your child's soccer club may have taken that coach training seriously and might be implementing uh, some of those really positive measures. Absolutely. There are wonderful coaches and wonderful sport organizations in this country, but there are very few ways for them to even effectively screen for predators or um, address concerns. So if a coach is, um, you know, verbally abusive, psychologically abusive, that takes years to figure out because the children in those cases don't talk. They don't necessarily tell their parents. The parents, if they do know, don't know what to do. And so it could take years. And by that time, this person is basically entrenched in the sports system. There's a culture of toxicity and fear around those programs that allow for that kind of uh, abusive behavior. And and it becomes an employment issue at the club level. Do we fire this person? Do we try to remediate this person? Um, and we just don't have strong policies to even deal with maltreatment that is being perpetrated on kids. So I would say it's a very um, poorly synchronized. It's not synchronized at all, actually. And it's not uniform across the country. And it's not uniform across sport. And the sanctioning is is up for question you know does this person get a year of a suspension or is it a lifetime ban and we we actually don't really have um any consistency there so you're bringing up really good examples of why we need an inquiry because there are so many moving parts to this problem so last word to you kim the goal of a national inquiry or as you refer to it as a day of reckoning that will eventually happen is to have an acceptance and acknowledgement and then the beginning of uniform fixes across the various sporting bodies yeah i think that's a really good summary and i think it's it's let's really focus in on prevention let's focus in on what is our what are our values for sport as a nation? What is it that we're hoping to achieve? Is podium success what every Canadian wants for themselves or their child? Or is it a lifelong journey of physical activity that helps keep us healthy, both mentally and physically? There's an element of fun and community building, as well as the excellence in performance that would come out of a healthy, happy system. Is that what we want? Or do we want to keep limping along with problems that have existed for 50 years that we've just never had the courage or the, taken the time to really address and, and ensure that we are not decimating children and young people. 
um, as they pursue their goals, whether they be to have fun and play at the local level or to represent Canada on the international stage. Kim Shore in Calgary, co-founder of Gymnasts for Change Canada, a former member of the Board of Gymnastics Canada, and calling for a national inquiry into sports and the treatment of athletes. Kim, been great meeting you today. I've enjoyed the pieces you've been writing in the Globe over the last couple of years. Uh, keep up the great work, and uh, thanks so much for sharing your time this morning. Thanks so much, John, and, and best wishes for your, your retirement, and thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Take care. Kim joining us in Calgary this morning. And uh, so you might have a sense here, um, and it's a good point because you look at your local sport, your local sporting uh, governance body, uh, maybe a lot of these issues of the past have been resolved. Kim's point is that if you have a national inquiry, you have an acknowledgement and then a genuine cross-sport set of initiatives. You know, the stories are many, and for some people, they are horrific. Others who never had these sorts of issues think, well, is it something? And again, for many, many people, uh, you're in that grassroots level where you think, well, this must only happen in elite sports. Interesting questions. Do you think we're going to see a national inquiry and some government intervention as a result into uh, the question under the Inquiries Act of what the critical issues are in amateur sport. And as Kim leaves, I mean, it's an interesting, I'm not sure it's an either-or, the values. Is podium success something you can do alongside lifelong enjoyment, physical activity, and the camaraderie of sport? And how do you balance those two initiatives? Or it does it become an either-or? 877-332-8255. Your thoughts on that? This is 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. John Gormley. Good to have you here. Happy Monday. And oh, what a day we have. How many days has it been now? You pulled out your winter coat and you haven't really used it. Or if you have, it's been cozily overdressed. Well, (laughs) get ready. Cold fronts are starting to move in. An Arctic front on the way. And apparently within a day or two, it's going to feel much more like you have been accustomed to in the back half of November. Well, we were just chatting, uh, and I thought uh, Kim Shore, she always does, make some very interesting points. And, and see, and I, I countered her, and I, it's not that I believe this necessarily. I mean, I think if you still have across sports, whether soccer, whether hockey, uh, the more common ones, uh, gymnastics, uh, gymnasts for change, the group that Kim helped uh, talk about. Uh, in her own experience, for 17 years as a kid, an elite gymnast, she's now the mom of a gymnast. She was a national board member. She says gymnastics has let down the families and the kids in it as more stories of abuse surface. In this part of the world, think of the stories of abuse In hockey, they are many, and they are, uh, in some cases, 
legendary for all the wrong reasons. So her push is a national public inquiry into sports, into the power of sports leaders, into the accountability, and then ultimately a question of talking about the values and the issues that we look ahead to. 877-332-8255. Do you think, A, a national inquiry is the way to do it? B, do you think we will come out with a set of recommendations that, first of all, acknowledge the problems, and secondly, begin across sports to deal with them? Uh, Samantha, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you're just getting into coaching. When you hear people like Kim talking about this, what do you think? Well, it's very interesting to hear her perspective uh i i agree with what she's saying and i had a little story to share of a recent experience um i just wanted to say that i uh so i grew up playing ringette and had a wonderful wonderful experience with the sport uh so i'm trying to uh pass that along to the next generation so i have a young daughter that's playing and uh when i read the list of requirements that i had to undergo to be her coach I initially thought it was a little bit overkill. <laughs> yeah. Though there's a lot of stuff, I mean, and a lot of people don't know just how much coaches have to go through now, and, and that's good. Yes, yes, it is great. Uh, yeah, so criminal record checks, respect in sport virtual course. Uh, there's a full-day in-person course uh, offered by Ringette, Saskatchewan. And uh, the most recent one that I took was also online, but it was with a live instructor uh, called Making Ethical Decisions. And uh, I was on this course. There was mostly people from Saskatchewan in there, but there was also a few individuals from Quebec. And the course was excellent. The instructor, you could feel his passion for coaching. Um, but ironically, there was one individual on the call who was drinking alcohol visibly the entire course, camera. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the course, uh, I mean, you could tell he was getting more and more animated all throughout. And at the very end, uh, he actually lashed out and verbally was uh, swearing and uh, getting very angry at another uh, participant in the course and just completely lost his cool. Um, and I should mention, too, that there was actually a 15-year-old girl, child, in the course as well and witnessing this grown adult um, not even be able to keep his composure when you're taking a course on making ethical decisions. So I just thought, wow, is, you know, this... Obviously, this stuff is really needed. Um, now, I don't know what the fate of that individual ended up being. Uh, I messaged the instructor afterwards and you know, said I couldn't help but notice the irony in the situation. <laughs> Epic fail. Samantha, thank you. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. was Tony Soprano's retirement song, I guess. I'm John Gormley. Good to have you here. Thanks for checking in. My, my, the week's here already. It's, uh, I'm not doing the old cross off the calendar, but it's uh, quite starkly staring me in the face. Five shows in an average week. 
We are powering through day one. And by Friday, my last show, and uh, gosh, I'm going to miss you. Have I had second thoughts? Nope. I had all of those second thoughts and uh, misgivings a long time ago when we put this plan in action. And I'm not calling it retirement as much as it's a uh, stepping aside. And, And I was joking just with somebody now, you know, if it was possible, I would do a radio show like this with you for the rest of my life. But to do it right, you need frequency, you need consistency, you need commitment, you need the kind of work that goes into every show. And I'm at a point where I have loved every second of this show, but it's time now to pass the baton or pass the torch. And we're doing that. Evan Bray. The Evan Bray Show begins here a week from today, Monday. Okay. You know, at first blush, if you ask me, do you think we need Holocaust education in Saskatchewan schools? I would have said, what part of six million reasons after World War II and the Holocaust would possibly require Holocaust education. What part of history, and we are talking about history measured in millennia, about anti-Semitism, the hostile actions or discrimination against Jews as a religious or an ethnic group, centuries of anti-Semitism. In fact, it was called uh, by one scholar the longest hatred. So if you ask me, uh, let's just go back, how long ago was October the 7th? Well, it's six weeks. Six weeks ago, do you need to instruct people on anti-Semitism? I don't think so. I mean, don't you understand history? Did you ever take a class uh, that dealt with the Second World War and the Holocaust? But I've changed my position because certainly what we're seeing in the public square after the terrorist organization Hamas slaughtered 1,400 Israelis in 22 different locations across Israel in those attacks October the 7th, And then the declaration of war against Hamas by Israel and subsequent actions. And I said to a Jewish friend on the weekend, I didn't think I would be alive when I'd hear protesters saying, that's a Jewish restaurant. Boycott it. That's a Jewish business. Cancel it. What? Um. Jerome Chanis, who's a, an academic at City University in New York, has done a lot of, he works with a lot of Jewish organizations, a uh, hundred papers, he's written m- many books on anti-Semitism. He goes over the six stages of history, and this is ancient Greece and Rome, pre-Christian times. It was ethnic. It was the Jews. It was the Semites. It was the people of Christ, uh, even before there was a Christ. I mean, this is a, a an ancient time. Uh, well predating Christ, 2,000 years before Christ walked the earth, there was a discrimination ethnic against the Jews. Uh, Antiquity, up through the Middle Ages, Christian anti-Semitism. It was religious, and there are still threads of it today. Third is Muslim anti-Semitism, which in its classic form, Jews were a protected class, and in some Muslim faith communities today, there is still uh, a challenge with anti-Semitism. 
Then he has a fourth category, post-Enlightenment Europe, political, social, economic anti-Semitism, which laid the ground for racial anti-Semitism. Then you have the racial anti-Semitism that arose in the 1800s, culminated in Nazism and the Holocaust. And then contemporary anti-Semitism, which lives today. And it's called the new anti-Semitism. So Professor Chinas uh, has six categories in the historical development of anti-Semitism. So why am I talking about do you need Holocaust education in schools? Well, the Saskatchewan government at 11 o'clock this morning announced there will be mandatory Holocaust education in Saskatchewan classrooms. It will take a couple of academic years to be in place. Uh, the 2025-26 school year, uh, there will be in Social Studies 10 a compulsory section on the Holocaust. So Holocaust education will become mandatory. Minister of Education, uh, Jeremy Cockrell, this morning, quote, anti-Semitism, unfortunately, is a prejudice that remains a problem in Canada. Knowledge of the atrocities committed during the Holocaust is important for our youth as it helps reduce hate and discrimination in society. So high school students in the next couple of years are expected to have this new Social Studies 10 curriculum developed. Uh, it is going to involve teachers. It's going to involve content experts. It will also involve the Jewish community uh, for their input into compulsory Holocaust content. So we're not alone on this. You heard uh, BC, Ontario, Alberta, three provinces that have announced it. Saskatchewan becomes the fourth province with mandatory Holocaust education. Why would I be so shocked that we would need this? Well, could it become any more evident than many of the protests over the Israel-Hamas war? Street scenes in Canada of people chanting, sometimes chanting expressly anti-Jewish comments, other times chanting the buzzwords and the slogans. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Then you did hear the current head of Hamas, who lives safely in Qatar, net worth $5 billion uh, is his value. He flies around on private jets and stays very far away from Gaza, saying that if necessary, the destruction of the Jewish state must happen because that is how you free the Palestinians from the River Jordan to the Mediterranean. So... Did we learn anything from the Holocaust? Well, perhaps, well, not perhaps, it is Holocaust education to become mandatory in the 25-26 school year. If I see one more little white woman, often red-headed for some weird coincidence, or they usually have dyed blue hair, uh, wearing kaffiyas, strutting around downtown, wearing the fia as a scarf. Sometimes uh, they might put the kafia over their head. It's, you know, the, the Arabic scarf that's made into a headdress. This has become the modern solidarity call. So on your way to the free Palestinian protests, you wear the kafia. It's become a real fashion plate uh, for young white women. And sadly, I mean, if you look at the, and I don't want to engage in, the other side of this, 
maligning and beating up Muslims and people who adhere to the faith of Islam. But this is a Canadian context I didn't think we'd see. I really didn't. I, I thought this was the kind of dialogue that you hear in many places in the Middle East, the kind of dialogue you hear in the most whacked-out left-wing crazy university campuses. But no, it's here all the time. Now, so Holocaust education, mandatory in Saskatchewan schools, grade 10, what do you think? 877-332-8255. Are you surprised? Do you think it's necessary? As the minister says, anti-Semitism remains a prejudice that's a problem. And knowing more about the atrocities that were committed in the Holocaust is an important way to reduce hate and discrimination. And it is. Because all you have to do is know the origins of the Holocaust. Know. I said this to another Jewish friend recently. I, I went on this tear a few years ago. In fact, uh, it happened when I was reading a book on the rise of the Nazis, uh, the 1920s uh, post-Treaty of Versailles, which Germany had been crushed by the Treaty of Versailles, which ended the First World War, uh, the populism of Adolf Hitler, uh, the, the array of political parties in Germany in the 20s, and they were all cravenly anti-Semitic, but the ability of Hitler, who never polled, I think it was 37% would have been uh, the most his uh, national... Uh, Socialist Workers' Party ever received, the Nazis. But he was able to pull together a political coalition that then planned and delivered what they called the final solution. Six million Jews, because they were Jewish, murdered in the Holocaust. And you just have to know a little about that, and you will recoil when you see these anti-Semitic tropes, when you hear these anti-Semitic chants, and you remember the people killed because they were Jews and Israelis on October the 7th. 877-332-8255. Join the conversation here on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Monday edition, uh, Saskatchewan government announcing in the last hour, Holocaust education will be mandatory in Social Studies 10. Uh, there will be a consultation and a, a strategic launch of this thing. Uh, content experts, school teachers, the Jewish community, how this will take form in what will be a revised Social Studies 10 curriculum. Uh, it will be compulsory, the Holocaust education, and we join... Ontario, B.C., and Alberta, the provinces that have already announced this. Again, at first blush, if you go back six or eight weeks ago, I would have said, well, surely anyone who has ever read about the 20th century knows about the Holocaust. Well, that may be or that may not be. Certainly the lessons about anti-Semitism and hatred have not been learned. So... Uh, I think this was expected, and I think it's going to be important. Uh, Ari in Saskatoon, thanks for hanging on. Uh, your take on this. So, John, I think it's incredibly important that this is being introduced, but I think it's incredibly important that when they do it, they don't marginalize it to just be um, anti-Semitism and direct it like it was a Jewish issue. Um, 
Six million Jews were killed in the Holocaust, 12 million people total. You're looking at Jehovah's Witness, homosexuals, immigrants, anyone who wasn't Christian. Um, it, it is really more of helping people to become indoctrinated against hate. And Jews were the highest component of it. They, they were the targets. They were the central piece of it. But they weren't the only ones. And I think there's a, a perfect alignment right now where we need to start educating youth to understand that hatred towards one group isn't unique. And we need to say it's not about being hate, not hating people because of Jews. It's helping people to look at themselves and go, why do I take my inadequacies and the things, my jealousies, and try to transfer them onto being somebody else, and they're the reason why I'm feeling this. It's a good point, and and what you say, of course, goes back to the uh, what's the, what was his name, Pastor Niemöller. Remember in yes. in the you know, in Germany during the Second World War, first they came for. You know, the socialists. Then they came for, and the list goes on. And of course, I did nothing because it wasn't me. And, and John, I was a school teacher years ago, and I had a young boy who would consistently write swastikas on his binders, consistently. And he found it a very powerful symbol because people reacted to it. He didn't understand what it meant. And as as a Jew, he didn't understand what he was doing and how he was insulting me. And I said to him, I said, "You got a problem with me?" Well, no. Uh, well, why do you write that? Well, because it ticks people off. But do you know why? And that's the piece that we're missing. We're so stuck in that reactionary thing that if I do something, I get a reaction, so I get power, without understanding the, where that power comes from. 877-332-8255. What do you think? Province announcing this morning, Saskatchewan joining uh, B.C., Ontario, Alberta, the three provinces, who now will have, in our province, it'll be two years from now, it'll be the 25-26 school year, mandatory Holocaust education. Uh, Dwayne in Carrot River, a longtime school teacher, what, what, do you think this is necessary, given what we've been witnessing recently? I think it's very, very necessary for everyone to know about the Holocaust, but I'm thinking this is an ideal opportunity, not just to introduce a course on the Holocaust, but let's talk about racism in general. Uh, Right around the world, we have a tremendous number of people, millions and millions and millions uh, in uh, Africa, in India, in China, right around the world that are uh, being killed and discriminated against and evicted from their country. And I think we in Canada represent probably the best nation in the world that has a just a wonderful collection of people from all over the world, religions, beliefs, and whatever. And I think our children need to know all about those situations just as much. It's a great point, sir. I agree. 877-332-8255. So the uh, Saskatchewan announcement uh, coming out this morning. You know, we've done different features over the years, a relatively new one, and we began it... um, producer Taylor, who's now still with the company but moved on to the uh, digital editing world that he does so exceptionally, Uh, and of course you hear Taylor filling in on this show, Uh, it was during Taylor's time, I remember saying to him, you know, let's give a shout out to the many, many charities who do such incredible work, and a number of which we don't know about. So we started every Monday, the best of Saskatchewan, we were overtaken by the pandemic just a few months into it. And this is going to be my final Monday on Best of Saskatchewan, so I just said I'm going to pick one of my favorite charities. Next, 
the St. Paul's Hospital Foundation, Saskatoon, on my final best of Saskatchewan on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.